Welcome to Ghost Riders Anonymous, an inspirational and interactive podcast where we create worlds through words and writing. I'm Kelsey, and today I'd like to know if you were a household chore, what household chore would you be? I would be folding laundry. Which, I'm reminded of this time in college, I was telling Leah that I had a dream of watching somebody fold laundry. And it was a woman that I had never seen before. I feel like she had long dark hair or something. And so interestingly, Leah had said that night, or close to that night, or within that week, she had dreamt that she was folding laundry. That was the entire dream. What a weird, mundane dream to, in a way, share with somebody. But that's not the first time that that's happened to Leah and I. I remember there was another dream during that same time period where I was standing in line waiting. What I was waiting for, I have no idea. But Leah also had a dream that she was standing in line waiting. She would stand up on her tiptoes and look over the person in front of her shoulders, stretching her neck out, trying to see ahead how long it would take. Whereas in my dream, I was okay waiting, I want to say. It's hard to remember. It seems like it was so long ago, but that was the entire night. Just standing in this line, studying the people around me. I'm sure there's a ton of psychology you could throw into that. But dreaming is a good segue into the story that I'm going to share today because I'm taking it back to the novel that I'm drafting, and I want to share this scene that I've been fleshing out all week. This is an idea that I shared with Cooper in 2020. He doesn't remember this conversation, but somehow we got on this obscure topic and I told him that I was going to write a story about the Watchmen and Swamp Thing. And I told him it would be a gothic horror meets love story sort of vibe. You guys haven't met Dahlia yet. She is the love interest to Valak, who you guys have met. And in this scene, we are delving into Dahlia's psychology. So what she's done is she has come to a Dreamweaver. She falls asleep, and as she's dreaming, the Dreamweaver takes a fiber of her being and weaves it on her loom to create this tapestry. It's going to actually be my next illustration. I'm about 500 words shy of sending it off. If you've listened to some previous episodes where I've shared some of my drafted work for this novel, you'll know that every 10,000 words, I want to have one of my scenes illustrated. And so I think this is going to be my next one. A sickle moon burned orange in the slate sky, scattered by pillowy charcoal clouds. The watchman stood, magnificently framed within the warm backdrop of his ramshackle cabin, surveying the night. His silhouette leaked into his shadow, laying long and flat outside the door. A chimney pipe, black and crooked, jutted from the cabin's outer wall, puffing small wisps of wood smoke into the humid night air. Faint smells of coffee and meat absconded into the swamp, only to be seized by wide, snuffing nostrils. Amphibious eyes studied the watchman through caged slits of tall grass blades at the swamp's edge. Neighboring villages had lost staggering amounts of goats and poultry over the past few months. After much deliberation, they hired a watchman. In exchange for predator control, the villages combined their resources on a monthly rotating schedule to fill an order of food and supplies to keep the watchmen afloat while at post. Their contract was for a full year, monitor the swamp and terminate any threat. A widower had volunteered for the position, 
With the light of his wife extinguished from the home, no amount of candles or sunlight could make up for her loss. His home always looked and felt dark. A year away would be a godsend. Maybe, he reckoned, he would move away after the terms were filled. Maybe he wouldn't return at all. Maybe the swamp would take him. Any variable was more welcoming than remaining where he was, numb and grieving, grasping for a tether, a purpose, to continue on in this cold and passionless circuit. It was scarcely a life one could term living. There were no other takers for the watchman's post. Everyone in the villages had family and responsibilities, a realization that pained the widower with envy. It was with relief that he parceled off his livestock and his livelihood boarded up his empty home, every nail sealing the coffin to his crippled dream, and readily accepted the duty of watchman. The predators seemed most active at night, though there had been a few village strikes during the day. The only evidence left amongst the carnage of the could-be culprit was foliage and debris from the swamp, quite a feat to travel by wind or by water to any one village. By way of explanation, this ignited a host of campfire stories, marking the threat as Swamp Thing. The watchman himself wasn't sure what sort of suspect he had settled on, but a thing of myth and folklore wasn't among them. Trailing the lead of logic, he followed the more plausible thread of a naturally nocturnal predator and took to a graveyard shift. His nights were already sleepless, so it was easily accomplished. As the first month ticked along at a dull pace, the watchman noticed something unusual to the swamp's soundscape. Its chorus waxed and waned throughout the night, but there was an elusive time between midnight and dawn where all sound ceased. It didn't die off or taper. It abruptly took leave, only for a moment. Then the ambience would strike up again. It was eerie, but was it atypical to the biome? Undecided, the watchman took to surveying what he could from the perimeter of the cabin. Over time, he planned to widen his circle further and further into the swamp. Gathering information was important, but he didn't want to be reckless when the villagers were counting on him. The cessation of sound, though never at the same hour, did have a predictability to it. The chorus pulled into straining anticipation just before it plummeted into silence, like the taut release of a hangman's noose. Perhaps this was merely the watchman's straining nerves, though. His theory was put on trial, stepping off the ledge and into the abyss following one particular day of fitful rest. He tossed and turned in his squeaky cot, teeth gnashing in vain to hold onto sleep like a dog holding onto its sense of play with a tug-of-war rope. His loaded rifle was propped within facile reach, rotating throughout the cabin with him like a cold steel clock hand a silent sentry of time. Surrendering to sleeplessness, the watchman stood at the cabin's sole entrance, as was his waking custom. He blew hastily on his steaming hot coffee, black as the night entombing him, when all sound halted without warning, much earlier than ever before. It startled the sleep from his eyes, dilating them into the darkness, hair raised, palms sweating, Clumsily, he set his coffee by the door in a failed, swift transfer to lethal. Scorching liquid sloshed over the tin cup's lip and ran down his hand in steaming streams. He shook off the burn with an inward grunt and choked his hand around the rifle's muzzle. His hand throbbed, but he hardly noticed as the germination of fear spidered across his abdomen like a tightening web. 
something strangely human was standing at the edge of the swamp. He stood breathless, rifle raised, waiting for whatever it was to move so he could obtain a better sense of the thing. It was as motionless as a statue. Was it a tree? He swore it wasn't there before. Hello? He bellowed into the night. No answer echoed back. No indication of any acknowledgement. Surely it heard him. The air was dead quiet, tension buzzing to a nearly audible level of suffocation. The watchman's eyes were so wide he didn't think blinking was possible, but he must have blinked because the thing was gone, there and gone in an instant. Just as abruptly, the swamp's nightly chorus picked up where it had left off. True fear pumped through the watchman's veins. He staggered back and stumbled over the cabin's threshold, coffee crashing like a tsunami from the quaking floorboards. His mind couldn't make sense of what he had just seen. No one stayed in the swamp overnight. All of the villagers had been accounted for when he left. If someone was missing, he didn't believe they'd wait a month to tell him. He watched and waited, wrestling down his fear until he trusted his trembling hands to strike a match. Then he gathered wood from inside and lit a fire several paces from the cabin door. The fire burned throughout the night, and by daylight it had smoldered to ash. The following night, the watchman's hand wore an angry red burn from his spilled coffee. He brewed peppermint tea in cold water and fashioned a compress, but his hand still radiated with pain. He was more careful with his waking regimen after that. No one from the villages ever came by to share word of a missing person. He was due for new supplies at the end of the week. Maybe they were waiting to trade news then. He wondered if what he'd seen was a person at all, though. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe his eyes had played a trick on him. Maybe he had let his fear run rampant. Maybe his sanity was slipping one dull day at a time. Still, the possibility of something, some unknown being haunting the swamp, gnawed at him like a dog worrying its bone. The week's end came and went, and the chorus continued night after night. When it stopped, the watchman would suddenly look up and scan the swamp. No phantoms rose to his vision since the night he'd collected a blistering burn, yet he felt like he was being watched. He decided to make a habit of building a fire outside every night. After a crude and feverish sleep, the watchman awoke to boils sprouting from his hand like a grove of mushrooms. The pain threatened to overtake all of his concentration, fogging his mind with disorienting lethargy. Train of thought and problem-solving were wisps of things without substance, impossible to grasp. The hour was already late, so he dropped into rudimentary routine and set to work on the fire, taking care not to antagonize his festering wound while his mind dredged to full consciousness. An uncharacteristic, cool night breeze stirred, kissing his hand like a momentary balm. It snared his attention from the task at hand, and for the first time he beheld the impossible sky surrounding him. The moon was so big and so full it took his breath away. It glowed somewhere between soft pink and lavender, taking up the entire sky. He had never beheld anything like it. It was like living in a dream, like someone had dropped a curtain of whimsy while his attention had been diverted. He set down his armload of wood and gawked at it. The moon's craters and blemishes were so detailed. He smiled wide and full of wonder, reaching out his hand like a child, testing the distance. 
He was so spellbound that when the surrounding sounds ceased, he scarcely felt afraid, until he turned around. The watchman's dream careened into a nightmare. Fatally close stood a person, a thing, a creature. Its eyes were bulbous like a frog's. Its skin was that of a caterpillar's leafy cocoon. It stood erect like a human, but its hands and feet were webbed. Upturned nostrils were wide and flaring, flushed to its alien face. The pair stood in suspense, staring at one another in the awesome moonlight. Being of similar height, the watchman could freely see and feel the intelligence behind the monster's muddy eyes, the humanness of its features. It reached for his hand. The watchman winced as its webbing encased the boils from his burn, but the beast's eyes held kindness and compassion. Its hand was damp and cool. The watchman's burn slowly ebbed away with his fear. His face relaxed. A moment of relief and understanding hung between them. Then, the creature released the watchman and receded into the swamp, grasses knitting together like a tunneled archway of swords at a ceremony. The thing appeared to glide backwards as the watchman's vision narrowed with dizzying vertigo. His only focal point to the blurred landscape were the creature's unblinking eyes. Then, in a burst of stars across the watchman's line of sight, the creature from the swamp was gone. Wondrously stunned, the watchman examined his hand in the moonlight. The impossibility of it lay in the profound realness of an even layer of mud blanketing his burn. No pain returned. The swamp's soundscape gently continued. It was no longer unsettling. It was beautiful. He stood and listened, letting the moment spill from him into the swamp's embrace. Three nights later, he invited the creature in. It paused at the threshold, craning its stout neck inside, eyes sweeping the single room with keen inspection. Then, with a sound like the slap of a wet towel hitting the floor, it stepped inside. They shared a meal together and sipped coffee in the moonlight. They learned how to communicate. He taught it how to play cards, and it showed him the secrets of the swamp. Things continued on in this way, night after night. While the watchman's burn shrank, his heart grew. His hand healed, and so did he. He felt companionship again. He felt happiness again. He felt love again. So, that's my drafted scene of The Watchman and Swamp Thing. I don't know if you guys could hear it, but there is a storm in the background, and that was kind of neat while I was reading to have these rumblings of thunder and then these cracks of lightning in my line of vision or in my peripherals. I have the windows open and all this cool air is bustling through, and I think it's making my throat crack, so I apologize for that. But this book, so far I've settled on the title Knowing Death, and it is what I would describe so far as a light book about grief and the transformation of grief. If my grief were clay, then this is my way of molding it and transforming it into something different, something beautiful. Writing this book is the first time that I feel like I felt true joy after that incident where Quidley died, my dog. So while death and grief is a big theme in the book, I don't sense it being heavy. It focuses more on the new life aspect of death than it does the actual departure of death. 
And I'll explain more of that the further I go on with more applicable scenes. But for this, I really pulled from my experience of that fresh grief. The Watchman's headspace was absolutely mine. He feels like he has nothing to lose because he's already lost, in his mind, the only important thing. One of my favorite lines in this whole thing is when Swamp Thing steps into the cabin and its foot hitting the floorboards was like a wet towel slapping the ground. Every time I read over this scene, I can hear that sound. So the snapshot that I want illustrated is when the Watchman sees the moon filling the entire sky and Swamp Thing sneaks up on him, grabs his hand, and they have this moment together. I wanna capture that in an illustration. So something that really helped me piece this scene together was a card in the game Mysterium. And I think the best way to describe the game is a cooperative where Clue meets Tarot. It shares the aspect of Clue where you're trying to narrow down on a person, place, and weapon. But then it has this loose interpretation of these beautiful pictures and you're trying to pull a meaning out of it or a clue out of it, much like Tarot. One of these pictures, I'll share it on our Facebook page, is this haphazard shack or workman's shop. And the night surrounding it is this bluish black color, which makes the light within it seem very welcoming with this orange yellow buttery light. And so I really tried to put myself in that landscape and work out from there. There's a lot of Easter eggs in this short story. Taily Poe is one of my favorite short and shivery stories. I've shared it on the podcast before. My brother and I really, really loved that story. There are elements of Taily Poe in here. The cabin, the mention of dogs. You know, while the Watchman doesn't have dogs, I'm tipping my hat to Taily Poe by making these dog-like comparisons. Tug of war with a dog, a dog warrior its bone, but then also being alone in the woods in a cabin and being approached by a monster. And so here my monster is me waving my fan flag for the creature of the Black Lagoon. That is probably one of my all-time favorite monsters. I love it. And I think this scene carries a lot of Shape of Water vibes to it, where this woman falls in love with a fish man who's got webbed feet. The storm is kind of creeping me out. <laughs> but yeah, originally I was going to have the Watchmen be in this tower, but it just didn't seem like it fit. I felt like it needed something more humble and modest, especially if it was erected by these villagers on a deadline. A tower seemed really upscale and prestigious, and this is more of a humble environment. And so Swamp Thing being a predator that goes after the villagers, poultry, and goats, that was this chupacabra element that I added to it which also reminds me of my brother when we were growing up. I remember first learning about the chupacabra. I think he and I were in junior high and we had found this weird audio clip that someone claims they had gotten of the chupacabra, which was someone chanting almost like an Oompa Loompa song. I don't remember precisely what it said, but it was something along the lines of Oompa Loompa Chupa Chupacabra Oh Ah E. And it just was on loop. Oompa Loompa Chupa Chupacabra Oh Ah E. I wish I still had that, but that was from the early 2000s. I had set a chapter heading of The Watchmen and Swamp Thing. It took me forever to figure out what the story was. I went on several walks over several weeks trying to figure out what even I wanted to say in there. I knew that I wanted to tell the story, I just didn't know how, and then slowly started to trickle in. I don't know if this scene is the final product, but I think we're getting somewhere with it. 
I think of Swamp Thing as a woman, but I also like the ambiguity of never mentioning it because I don't really know how far into their love story I'm going to go. So as far as the moon is concerned, there's a couple things that were coming to mind as I was writing it. First of all, the super moon. I remember I was driving to the theater one night. The moon was so big in the eastern sky. I was stunned. I had never seen the moon that big before. And it was this beautiful, almost lavender color. I don't know if it was a pink super moon or really what was going on with it. But the last birthday that I had with Quidley, it was a pink scorpion moon or Scorpio moon. And then when everyone left, I had a little fire with Quidley. We sat and watched the moon together. So I was kind of playing into that memory as well. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And eventually I'll share the scene directly before this one that I explained where Dahlia is meeting with the Dreamweaver. I'm getting really spooked right now. The thunder and the lightning. I'm seeing these weird things in my peripherals. A spider just dropped down from the ceiling on a strand of spider web. It's uh, almost three o'clock in the morning, which is a normal hour for me. As I've said, I work overnight, so this is like my afternoon, but it's still freaking me out. And I like thunderstorms. Maybe I'm just scaring myself. <laughs>